Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob, and this is the podcast that you've been looking for. Yes. And uh, Dr. Rob Cook is my esteemed (laughs) colleague and co-host, and we are excited because we have drug uh, our good friend Cliff Berry into the studio. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yes, it's important that um, we find people that are more credible than ourselves. To exactly. Make, to make <laughs> to make the show just a little bit better. A little more classy. A little more classy. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we sit here in the midst of of fall. Fall has arisen. The chill of winter is nipping at the door. Last night we got into the 20s. Yeah, had our first snowfall. We did. We woke up and yesterday and had snow on the ground. And I went back to bed. That was, <laughs> a, that was a smart decision. But the trees are adorned with beautiful, transcendent neon colors. Yeah. And this weekend promises to be busy for me as I will be cleaning up my yard. Oh wow! For those uh, for those of you that do yard work and and you want the lawn to be clean of leaves, I'll be doing that. But you know, in a in a in a in a therapeutic way, I enjoy lawn work. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Cliff seems to be balking at the idea of, of of yard work. Yard work and therapeutic in the same sentence. Correct. When I when I lived in Detroit, I had a house and. Uh, right in the city and the lawn got so large, so tall. My kids, when they were small, they used to play hide and seek in it. <laughs> like playing hide and seek in a cornfield. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Neighbors were very gracious about it. That's wonderful. I was surprised. It's a field. Yeah. Um, when when we think about the talk, topic of our episode today, it really is general in terms of um, the, the entry into the holiday season. Yeah. The holidays are upon us. And we decided that we wanted to have a conversation because as always, they, the, the holiday season, um, engulfs us. We, we become a prisoner of it. We get, you know, chewed up, spit out, and you, you don't realize it until it's like January five. Yeah. And you wondered what happened. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> so we wanted to have a little preemptive strategy conversation. Yes. Of what does the holiday, impending holiday season mean? And um, so let's start that conversation with maybe your own perspective about the holiday season upon us. Are we taking turns or just Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, for me, it's everything is new this year. My wife of 60 years just passed away. A couple months ago, so it's a it's a whole new gig. There's some similarities. Families getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the holidays. So it's going to be all there'll be similarities and there will be changes. Um, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, Sharon would be a major player. Yeah, yeah. And it's the first. It's the so first first of everything. Yeah. And those are um, yeah. typically pretty tough. So, so I've already gotten invitations to go to other people's houses and people checking on me to make sure I'm okay. And, uh, 
I'm not sure. It's uh, I'm approaching it as an adventure. And if I get too much, I can leave. Yeah. I, I used to do that before anyway, so nothing <laughs> new. Mm-hmm. I, I, the holidays for us is going to be interesting too because we have a, a close friend that is in the process of actively dying. Uh-huh. And so it's my daughter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And we were friends before the kids got married. But um, I also think, too, that the holidays for me come with a mixture. Um, You know, it's this tension between looking forward and, oh, here we go again. So I see this mixture of um, looking forward to seeing some of our friends and family and at the same time, Mm -hmm. friends and family. Mm Yeah. It just depends on who they are and where they where they land in the spectrum. Yes. Yeah, I, I think Cliff of some of the work that we've done um in the Parker Palmer book mm-hmm. of a hidden wholeness, um, the circle work that we've done and, and how that has impacted me in my identity and, and what I call maturity. I, I can't say that I'm mature. I sense change. Um, but you know, what I'm noticing about this year is I'm not putting too much artificial stock in the idea of Thanksgiving or Christmas Yeah, as though it's going to somehow be the means by which I dig out of a, of a pit. I'm, I've practiced a lot of mindfulness. I've practiced a lot of just being And I can now, I think I can now just participate without putting an unrealistic expectation on the, the image of the holidays. Does that even make sense? Oh, I think it was, I was just going to say it was well articulated. I couldn't have said it any better. I like that approach, a realistic expectation without putting pressure on Myself, the holidays are the people I care about. Yeah, I just think historically I know that out of a fragmented identity, you know, I'm just so susceptible to be blown to and flow in in the wind of everybody else's expectation. Well, I've heard a rumor from the staff that you're mellowing out. (laughs) I am, and I'm not even smoking marijuana. (laughs) And they very much like it. Yeah. Um, when I think about the Thanksgiving portion of our holidays, I'm excited because Dean and I get to travel back to New York to be with Emma and Kaylin is going to fly up from Georgia and we're going to stay at the Colgate Inn. We're going to have dinner there. So don't have to do any dishes. Nice. Right. And, uh, so that's going to be exciting, but yeah, I get to be with my girls and it's intimate. We get to be just together, just the four of us, just like it was last year with just Keelan down in Georgia. And so I like small and intimate. That's special. Very special. You know, you're you're with the people you love. Isn't there a casserole or something that you guys make every year? Doesn't everybody make a casserole? Uh-oh. I don't know. I think we, you're talking maybe about Christmas Day. Okay. Which okay. I which I do specialize in an egg casserole. That's what I thought. That's okay. Right. I, I, I didn't know if it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah, and every year it's some I mean if we if we fast forward to Christmas, 
Um, yeah, Christmas morning is always okay. my special rendition of an egg casserole, and you never know what's going to be in it. What time do you want? <laughs> Every year. Well, you know what? We might have to have a special holiday. Yeah. I was like, going to say, what time do you want Cliff and I there yeah, so Christmas yeah. morning so we yeah. can try this casserole? I love you guys, but I don't want you at my house on Christmas morning. <laughs> I, I, I want to be in my PJs and, yeah. and just relax. I don't want to have to entertain. <laughs> I think that's wise. Mm-hmm. Well, the holidays have changed over the years when we, with the grand, with the, our kids and with the grandkids, all our grandkids now are adults, so we don't see them quite as often. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're, we're in the midst of, of changing the, the ceremonies and the rituals and the coming together. So uh, it's an interesting year. Oh, and our grandkids are still young. Yeah. So the holidays, you kind of take that focus off of you and put it on them. I think that's what's distinctive about, let's say, Deanne and I don't have grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Um, We just have grown children out of the house, and we get to go see them. But the magic of, let's say, the holidays and Christmas, obviously, with young grandchildren, you get to re-experience it through the the magic of, of who they are yeah. as they experience it, which I could imagine would be just phenomenal. It is. I, I love children anyway because they see life so differently. Mm-hmm. And most, I think, adults don't pay attention to that. But I, I do. I, I think it is magical. And we still keep the real meaning of the season front and center too um, as a family. Yeah. You know, the birth of Christ. So that that's a, that's a big deal for us. So what are some of the common things that people may be anticipating kind of going into their holiday? What's the average um, stuff that oftentimes, like I had mentioned to you, I'm thinking about entering into the holiday season with broken relationships. Yeah. So there's stress of unresolved or unfinished business for many people. Mm. It's not a happy time, the happiest time of the year. Many times it's a, a very sad or depressing time, depending upon what what the context is. Or filled with anxiousness and stress about connecting or seeing or having conversation with family or friends that have been problematic in the past or, or toxic. They're both looking at me. (laughs) Uh, Holidays are usually a good thing. My wife is the one that kind of organizes it and takes it over and uh, not this year, but uh, that's, it's all new. The kids have taken stuff over and they'll have to decide what they want. So for you, you know, this is different because Sharon's yeah. death, but historically they've oh. been a good thing for the oh, family yeah. because Histor- it was a big deal for Sharon. Yeah, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, yeah. holidays, yes, it was a big thing. So I see that mixture or, you know, if you do polar opposites, for some people it's yeah. a very uplifting, encouraging time of the year, and for others right, not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the thoughts I had that I shared with you was the idea of positive sentiment versus negative sentiment. And, and what I mean by that, I, I do a lot of this work with my couples counseling 
but positive sentiment, um, it comes from the Gottman method, but the idea is that I'm thinking positively about the people I'm going to connect with or about the experience I'm imagining to have. So I'm going into it with positive sentiment versus negative sentiment. There's a lot of, to use your word, Rob, there's a lot of unfinished like like baggage. Mm-hmm. And I'm already queued up thinking about the negative things I'm going to have to experience. And it's very much part of your mindset. So I'm going into the holidays without even seeing anything. I'm already kind of queued up in the negative perspective. I think that's a, a smart observation. My question to you would be, you know how humans have this tendency to kind of see what we want to see? Mm-hmm. That fits. That seems like it fits into what you're saying. Is that accurate? So if I have a negative perspective about the holidays, I may find it whether it's actually there or not. Same with the positive. Is that, yeah. am I tracking or yeah. not? So, so negative sentiment override is a state of collected issues that have not been reconciled in your mind or in your heart toward usually, because everything that we have is based on relationship. Yeah. Right? Relationship is the essence of life. The context, I think so. Right. And so because there may be unreconciled issues, it's formed a negative perspective in you. And now if you have negative sentiment override, no matter what goodwill is offered to you from that person, that lens is so established from unreconciled issues that you interpret something good through that negative lens and you interpret it as negative. That I, I think we're saying the same thing. That's really good and helpful. Thank you. And I guess what I'm suggesting is having people do an inventory about what is going on with your mind. What, what are the feelings that you're having toward this person or that person or the experience that you're going to have? It sounds like there could be just a, number of different things orbiting in your interpretation that may not be true, may be true, but there may be some things that you have to work through in order to be able to engage going forward. Sounds like you're saying as holidays for some people could be a risk-taking activity. Oh, absolutely. That's a good, that's a good perspective. It is risky to enter into, right? Because a negative sentiment posture is one of defensiveness Mm -hmm. And I have a wall, I have a system up to protect me because ultimately I don't feel safe. And so, yeah, the the reality is to let those walls down, that would be risky. That's why I'm suggesting do some work before the event happens. The event won't help. The event will usually expose the vulnerability. So what I'm hearing is um, take the time to have accuracy in your assessment. That's something that we always suggest here. I think so, too. (laughs) That can be risk-taking in and of itself. Oh, definitely. Because it requires a ruthless ruthless honesty with self. You know, um, the risk is I could always find out that I'm the problem. Well, ultimately, if I go in with positive sentiment and I go into a situation that is threatening... I don't believe the other person can hurt me unless I allow it. Yeah. 
So I have the right to establish boundaries. Yeah. But I also at the same time can choose to think from the positive perspective about the things of this group of people or that person, but still maintain my, my boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not advocating somebody who might be toxic or unsafe, um, making adjustments that way. If I'm hearing you, it's like, don't allow that to spill over onto everything else. Correct. Because I get stuck into then ruminating thoughts about that person. Then I start creating a narrative in my head. And now I'm convinced it's going to be a horrible experience. Why are we going? Well, that's what I'm saying. You're queued up to have a disaster. And then all of the stress and anxiety that follows that queuing up should be expected. And I would suspect that this is not, the holiday is just an event. I would suggest that this is probably true in other categories of, the, of a person's life. Yeah. So it's not like this is only one area that's affecting this. I would say there's probably systemic issues that are related to this. And the, like you said earlier, the holidays just expose it. Exactly. What does our age, uh, how does our age affects it or influence the risk-taking or the preparation? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's a great question. It is a great question. <laughs> Rob, you're so much older than I am. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm trying to think it through. I I think, I, I, I won't speak for everyone, but for me, age has brought perspective. Mm. I feel like I have a better discernment about what matters and what doesn't matter. So I major on the majors and minor on the minors. Mm -hmm. That's one aspect I think age has brought. I think the second aspect for me that age has brought is an appreciation for how my kids and grandkids and the family interact. Health is a big deal for our family as well. And so when I see them not perfect, but struggling to respect and to be healthy with one another. I I don't want to say it creates a sense of pride because I don't think that's what it creates in me, but it creates a sense of gratitude and appreciation. Um, so the outcome looks different depending on age and circumstances? For me, it does. Okay. You know, uh, and I think the focus is different. Like when the kids were young, our focus... You know, the magic was for for my kids. And my kids are now adults. And my daughter is trying to generate that that Christmas magic, if you will, for her kids. And so we enter into that as a grandparent, not as a primary caregiver. So, I, I mean, you just get, off the top. get demoted to the chorus line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does, to Cliff's point, does age necessarily determine that particular outcome? I don't think so, but I think it's, it, I, I appreciate the clarification. For me, it's it's helped em, empower it, you know, um, because I have to, I'm a processor, so I have to think about, that's a really good question. Well, I would say that age, life development. age doesn't, chronological age doesn't equal maturity. No, it doesn't. No. It just, it's only about chronological age. Right. Some of the most immature people I know are 60, 70, and 80 years old, and they haven't 
They haven't. And remember, immaturity is not a criticism. No. It's a state of identity. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So, so it's not a criticism. It's um, just a reality of circumstances that have not been maybe appropriately addressed. Yeah. In the rhythm of, of life and relationship. Cliff, how about you? What's the answer to your own question yeah, that's... about age? Well, hopefully as you age, you would mature. Uh, I'm not quite sure that I've, I'm somewhere on the road for that. But I'm thinking of this this year will be lots of new stuff, uh, family and family activities. They will, there will be a, a big big effort to make sure that I'm okay and surrounded and loved and uh, smothered with affection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I do, I know that going in uh, and what do I, how do I'm supposed to respond to that? So I, so used, as I've gotten older, I just respond. I don't necessarily uh, make any motive, uh, interpretations of their motives they're going to want to help me they're going to want to be there for me they're going to, want to try to make the uh, the uh, celebration uh, helpful uh, but not necessarily tearful and I don't know how you can do that I don't think you can do that I think it's, it's you laugh and you, you cry and uh, you You don't try to take care of each other. That's what I'm going in with. I'm not trying to take care of anybody. I'm just trying to be there and being open and take in what takes in and then decide what I, how I want to respond to that. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I'm trying to think on the word care because I think you do, you're a caregiver. You're a therapist. No. You've been doing it for years. Your other careers, too, were directly or indirectly helping people. But I also hear you say you're not doing it with judgment. You're kind of just no. like in the moment. No, I, I know there's going to be a wide range of uh, uh, actions and people dealing with the loss of their grandmother and their friend and their mother and yeah. all of that. Uh, but I'm not responsible to take care of them. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, and they're, they're not responsible to take care of me. Yeah, so, they're adults. So probably the challenge that I foresee, and I don't know that will happen, is uh, uh, making sure I'm compassionate towards them. They're grieving too. Yeah. And they want, I'm the closest to Sharon, so they'll want to, they'll want to celebrate and, take some of their grief, solve some of their grief through me because Sharon's not here. Yeah. And that's, at a, there would be a time that I would be really, in my age, I would be, I wouldn't be for that and I would be, I would be less than nice about it. But I mean, today, I just flow. Yeah. They so mean, they mean well and I'll, I mean well and uh, trust that, uh, We'll work it out. So as I'm listening to you, Cliff, you seem so congruent in regard to the assessment of your reality right now in the wake of, of Sharon's passing. Well, at this moment. 
right. catch me different parts of the day and me different <laughs> as as i would expect no. um but it's it's like it doesn't feel like you're lost no no i'm not lost it feels like you're going through something significant yeah that you're allowing you're allowing yourself to be in the rhythm of this season or chapter of your life right. and the word the the word or the image i have is I don't sense that you're lost. I sense that you're present. Yes. It's, uh, and when you describe what it's going to be like for others to be around you, I want to be like that. Yeah. Like I'm so kind of grounded. It kind of goes into what I was sharing. You're going into this season. It feels like with a realistic understanding. Yeah. Everybody's or, upset. Or a positive sentiment. Like, you you don't have a lot of baggage that you're bringing into the holidays, and then the holidays are going to stir all that up, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a hardship. Yeah, you use positive and negative as you were talking, Matt, and as I was listening, I was thinking realistic versus unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know that that realistic perspective of what the holiday is going to be, but it is congruent with your point. Of the negative and positive. I guess I'm approaching the holiday. I didn't think about it till just now is the holidays are a third thing. Yeah. Uh, they happen and I respond to them. They're a third thing. Uh, they're, a, they're a doorway uh, into what I don't know, but I don't have to be afraid of it or fight it. So what are the first two things? Or what? If the holiday is a third thing. No, no, no. Actually, a third thing is a concept. Right. A con- I'm sorry. Concept from, it's, from the circle. It's not like, on. it's not like the. That's, that's yeah. okay. It's from the yeah. circle work that we right. did. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an object, whether a painting or a piece of poetry or a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And it's left for the person to interpret. As they wish. So, so in some ways, I would think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it when we were doing the circle for those years, but uh, it's helped prepare me for loss. It's helped prepare me for uh, things that are painful. Without going nuts over it, I think too many people make pain the enemy. I don't think pain is supposed yeah. to be an enemy. Yeah. It's supposed to draw your attention like a smoke detector does. That's the third thing. Okay. Draw my attention. I just wanted to make sure that we were. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the holidays can be an aggravating agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you get aggravated, it's telling you more about you in your fragmentation than it is about the people causing the agitation. Yeah. Cause deflection is the number one rule people use to escape responsibility. Yeah. Does that, that rings a bell for me. Yeah. Where but, does boundaries fit in that? Exactly. So if deflection is my immature strategy to escape responsibility mm-hmm. and if rather I would want to experience the difficulty and then be able to stay congruent, Mm -hmm. meaning that the difficulty, the agitation doesn't change me, meaning it doesn't move me to 
to do something incongruent to my desired self, like my, my understanding of who I am. It doesn't move me out of that. I can stay grounded. I can stay congruent. But the boundary piece, I don't think keeps things out. I think it keeps things in. So it protects the congruency of character from being moved. So I can, the idea, if I'm articulating this correctly, I can experience the agitation. I can experience the difficulty. The boundary, again, doesn't keep somebody out. It retains the integrity of my myself. It depends on the boundary, wouldn't it? Because some boundaries are perforated, so to speak, so it can let things in and out. Some prevent things from getting in and or out. I think of it like a maze. You don't want you don't want people just to have direct access. You have to have it a maze. But um, as I'm trying to track with this conversation, I'm thinking what you're talking about is like the window of tolerance, where I I can conf- I can deal with the difficult emotion and feel that discomfort at the same time I can maintain clear thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, and I think in this conversation, the idea of boundary, I would like us to be a little bit more open-minded about what a boundary is. Okay. Instead of maybe using what it was, is it Townsend? Yeah. The book boundaries. Okay. Let's move away from that for a moment and, and be open to the idea of different forms of boundaries to your point. Okay. So the, the kind of boundary that I think you're talking about with window of tolerance works very well with my version of boundary, which says the boundary I'm talking about, think of it like a bubble. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around in a bubble and there could be all kinds of things that are around me, but the things around me aren't causing me to burst my bubble. Yeah. You're in control. My bubble stays congruent. Okay. So I can experience, which goes very well with the window of tolerance. Like the boundary allows me to tolerate levels of, of, of difficulty. Like I'm staying within my window of tolerance. Gotcha. And so my boundary is something that's created by me and it's not false. It's true. Now I'm sure there are false boundaries and systems that don't work. Yeah. And we could talk about that. What I'm referring to is congruency. Yeah. I, I was know, just, yeah. I know who I am. Like Uncle Uncle Jimmy, every time we go to Aunt Betty's house, Uncle Jimmy always does this. Well, I'm going to be there. I just don't need to allow his choices to burst my bubble. Yeah. To, inadver- to inadvertently affect you. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to, Uncle Jimmy's going to be Uncle Jimmy. That's not my concern. Yeah. But your response to him is chosen and managed by you. By me. Yeah. That sounds great. It does to me too. Versus, I've had to practice that. Versus having a boundary that says, I'm not letting Uncle Jimmy in. I'm oh. going to stay in the other room. Oh, yeah. And, well, I think you're deflecting. I think you're, yeah. you're, you're going to be found and he's probably going to push that button and you're going to respond in the way that <laughs> yep. you always respond because that's what he does. And that's what happened last Christmas and the Christmas before the, that or the Thanksgiving. So the, the not being around Uncle J- Jimmy or making sure you don't talk to them. Those are all actions. Those are all outcomes of decisions that you made before you even got there. 
Yes. Which was your whether, point about whether you know them or not. You that's made the, that that's decision. that negative sentiment. That's what yeah. I was going to say. I'm, that's the sentiment. I'm basing piece. my decisions on fear and anxiety. Right. Now, I can be congruent and say the reality is I don't feel like I want to tolerate. I might have an accurate assessment of my window of tolerance. I don't think I'm going to be able to tolerate it. I'm going to excuse myself from going to that event because yeah. I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm around Uncle Jimmy. Right. Now, that's a congruent decision. That's not based out of fear. That's a smart decision because you have an accurate assessment on what your tolerance is. And it's not a decision based on false obligation or shame or guilt. It's congruent with... This is a decision that I make for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The holidays, we make a lot of this, a lot of decisions for other people, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Versus the right to make decisions for myself. Seems is, like is, it's more manageable if you <laughs> make good decisions based on... Because this is about making everybody happy, right? If you if if you're plugged with people pleasing, you're going to acquiesce to everybody else's desires for your schedule. So it's kind of like we're talking about. You mean all the people we're trying to make happy that are never happy under any circumstances? <laughs> are those yeah, the yeah. people we're talking about? Those are the people. That's that we're what I okay. About. Just want to make sure I'm tracking. <laughs> and you get out of the holidays and you're exhausted. Do you know why you're exhausted? Because oh. You acquiesced your responsibility to take care of you. We live in a world of demand. We do. And, and er, limited and, resource. And when, when other people have pain that they can't solve for, they're going to look to you to be the solution. And that's an, what, how do you say that Cliff? That's a, a non-negotiable contract. It, oh, uh, intractable. Intractable contract. You can't win it. It, it you, you can't. And yet we play that game thinking yeah. that we can help or we can win. And I'm like, you don't win this one. No. The bid is for you to take care of you. I don't know how this fits in, but one of my, f I, I like Thanksgiving that if, you know, if you put, uh, a catalog listing of one, two, three, and four. Thanksgiving is really the holiday that I enjoy. We were living away from family in Minneapolis, St. Paul, one Thanksgiving. And it was just Sandy and I. Kids weren't, kids weren't born yet. And, you know, we're at school, so we had no money. And so we were forced to stay in Minneapolis during that Thanksgiving and we scrounged up enough money for her to buy a turkey and she made a turkey just traditional Thanksgiving stuff and we watched the Lions lose which was <laughs> typical Thanksgiving tradition Duh, I know what did you expect I know we didn't expect <laughs> not to today win. though not this season not this season <laughs> but to your point Matt it took away all of those false obligations and pseudo responsibilities and it was to this day, it is one of my favorite holiday memories when it was just Sandy and I. It was pure. It was so pure. That's a great word. I would yeah. not have thought to it. That's what came to me when you were describing it. I and said, it, oh, wow, it, you, you had 
You had purity. We did. You know, I have a, f- a wife who's a football fan, um, and she w- and I'm a food fan. I'm a football fan too, but I'm a food fan. And so, you know, two fans, me a fan of Thanksgiving dinner, her a fan of football, and it was just her and I. And without all of the, you know, responsibilities, pseudo or otherwise, it just was really wonderful. Mm. And I think it reflects what you said with the girls, your girls too, going to New York. Purity. You know, it's just pure. It's, that's, that's what works. Pure love. Yeah. The giving and receiving of, of love. And I want to be with you and you want to be with me. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was really my prayer, my wish, raising the girls. I don't know if it was God that gave me this or, or I'm sure it was, but the idea of, I really pray that when my kids are grown and gone, they will want to be with me Ours too. in their adult years. And that has come to pass. Yep. And we have a beautiful relationship as yeah. I would say friends. Yeah. Um, I don't stop being a parent, but Jesus says, I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. Yeah. So I don't need to call you my child, although you are. I call you my friend. It's like I enjoy being with you. Yep. I I ditto that. And it's a gift. Yeah. A gift that I am very eternally grateful for. It could have turned out because I was... I can't swear on the radio, <laughs> but I was one of those guys. <laughs> and by the grace of God, somehow I navigated through that season and, and, uh, the redemptive power of grace was at work and, um, we were human. I don't know of anyone without a history. <laughs> so as we start to wind down on this conversation, we, we did have a thought that I don't think we're going to explore in today's episode. But when we, when we think about the hope of the holidays, I think in this conversation, it's good to leave space to be in a conversation with somebody you're close to. Yeah. yeah. And I would encourage you to be able to just open up and be able to share openly, what are your thoughts? What are your desires? What are your hopes? What are your fears? And allow those conversations to precipitate deeper understanding because the greatest thing a human needs is to be understood. Yeah. If you allow those ruminating thoughts just to exist in your own head, it will be tormenting. You cannot, and this is what I hear you saying, you cannot take measurements in the dark. You have to get them out in order to be able to see them, in order to be able to measure them. I would say yes and amen. <laughs> <laughs> Any, uh, with the two of you, as we, as we just pause this, um, this conversation, any other last closing thoughts? Uh, life is still an adventure. So I'm approaching it from that end. Yeah. And then my closing thought would be, I really like the adventure called Life with the Two of You. Mm. Ditto. Well, this has been an adventure. 
It's always fun being able to explore the terrain of the different things that our conversation kind of churns up. And we kind of walk down the path that's before us. And we hope that this conversation has been enlightening to you, those of you that have tuned in, all four of you. (laughs) (laughs) And we thank you so much. We appreciate your... All four of you. (laughs) Dr. Rob mentioned that we will be airing new episodes anywhere between two to four weeks. Um, We look forward to finishing 2023. And we have a list of great topics for 2024. So we ask that the Lord bless you in all that you do. Have a great holiday season. Blessings.